Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 to 28. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we will also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. But Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Let me pray for us before I begin. Heavenly Father, we pray that this morning we will hear the challenge of Joshua anew. That we will hear the challenge to choose. Will we serve the Lord or not. And having heard that challenge, we will not be burdened by it, but will be set free by the incredible grace you offer through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I wonder uh, what you think about, about, about this book that I'm holding in my hand. I wonder if you were pressed to say uh, what it is, uh, what you would say. Maybe you would say something, I hope, at least. Uh, along the lines of, well, it's, it's, it's the Word of God. This book is the Word of God. But when I uh, read from that a moment ago, when we heard our, our reading from the New Testament earlier in this service, is that what you heard? Were you listening to hear God 
speak. Were you ready for God to reach out to you by his word through his spirit to change you? Because this isn't just the word of God, but it's the living word of God. And it's the living word of God that transforms and changes us every time we open it and every time we read it. And so we should expect to be changed by it. But, I don't know about you, but I, I don't often open the Bible thinking I am going to be changed by what I read. I don't know about you, but when I uh, come to texts like this morning's text in Joshua, I look and think, oh, it's a text from the Old Testament history. You know, there's a bit, bit, bit of battles, bit of fighting, David and Goliath, Jericho's walls falling down. And I get a bit blasé. I read it and I think it's a bit dry, it's a bit dull, it's a bit dusty. And that's a danger, isn't it, when we come to this part of the Bible, that we see it not as the the Hebrew Bible saw men like Joshua, but as we have grown to see it over years. Because the Hebrew Bible doesn't set Joshua out to be a historian for us, but to be a prophet. And it's amazing if we shift our perspective away from Joshua the historian to Joshua the prophet, what that can do for us. Because instead of just reading about what happened, we're reading about a man sent by God to preach to his people then and there and to preach to us today. And that's why when we hear the words of Joshua this morning, they can cut us to the quick because he's speaking to us. He is preaching to us to change our hearts. And that's why the message of Joshua from thousands of years ago is as relevant to us today in 2019 here in Benwell as it was all those years ago in Shechem. What today's text presents us with, I'm going to make a claim at least, is, is the paradox of the Christian life. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, on the one hand, we as believers, if we, if we profess faith in Jesus, we're committed to his service. We're committed to be loyal to God and to serve him. And yet we know that despite that commitment on one hand, on the other hand, we fall down and we fail. We're committed, but we're not committed. And Joshua, in the same way, presents that situation to the people of God this morning. But we can be thankful that that paradox is not a, an unsolvable riddle. It's just that we, on our own, can't solve it. We can't resolve that, that paradox. I want to serve, but I can't. Only God can. And as Joshua showed God's people then, and is showing us this morning, only the power of God resolves that challenge. And for us, with the benefit of the New Testament, it's the power of God through the Holy Spirit that equips us to effectively serve. Now, before we jump in uh, to the text uh, in earnest, let's uh, very quickly a bit of context uh, for the book of Joshua so we're not completely uh, disoriented as, as we come to this morning's passage. God's people uh, have entered into the promised land, and while it hasn't been plain sailing, over time they've come to a point where they are ready uh, to inherit it. And chapter 24 is the last in a series of three addresses that Joshua gives to the people before his death. And chapter 24 sees Joshua present them with a choice. The same choice that Joshua presents to God's people then, will you serve the Lord, is presented to us. And that's where we'll start. So uh, my first heading, if we're in the habit of taking notes, 
uh, is, is who will you choose from verses 14 and 15. And verses 14 says this, Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I wonder if you uh, notice there the recurring theme of those two verses occurring uh, five times. Serve. Fear the Lord and serve him. Put away the, the gods your father served. Who will you serve? Your father served. We will serve. The recurring theme of those verses is service. Who will you serve? And Joshua has just invested a, an amount of time, a significant length of time, you must imagine, with the people saying, look, this is what the God of your fathers has done for you. And yet, in the Israelite camp, there's still doubt. Did you notice in, in verse 14 there, Joshua mentions how you were going to need to put away the gods your fathers served. And you're going to have to put away the gods of the Amorites that you've come across. Despite all that God had done for his people, there is still doubt in the Israelites' hearts. Some of them have, have not been able to put away the gods their, their forefathers worshipped way back when they were slaves. Others were, were picking up gods as they went, finding something attractive about the worship of these false gods of the Amorites. The same people whose parents and grandparents had experienced the incredible, miraculous saving power of God in Exodus are worshipping false gods. It seems incredible, doesn't it? But we've got to be really careful, I think, uh, about our own pride when we read this. I, have to, I found that myself this week. We look at them and think, "How on? what idiots? How could they be doing that? But when we reflect on our own lives, we know ourselves, I think, that we raise up false gods for ourselves. So let me ask you can, you, can you reflect on your own lives and your own hearts and think, well, what false gods am I, am I clinging to still? Perhaps there are things that were the most important thing in the world to you before you became a Christian, and yet the Bible says you need to let them go and you just can't, be it a relationship or a habit. Or are you vulnerable to making your own idols, whether it's a shiny new piece of kit that you were given for Christmas, whether it's a career opportunity or your, or your work or a relationship or something else? I know that I'm vulnerable to all of those things and more. Uh, and I'm vulnerable to letting recurring sins and, and new distractions get in the way of my worship and service of God. Joshua knew that was true for the people as he spoke to them there and then. God knows that's true of us. And so Joshua's warning this morning to put away these things and prepare to serve is as meaningful, isn't it, for us this morning as it was then. And how can we do that? It's all well and good saying we've got to do that, but, but how? Well, I'd claim that the first step is acknowledging the issue, recognizing the areas of our lives that are a problem. Now, Joshua in Joshua 24 does that on behalf of the people. We need to do it ourselves. 
Can you imagine being in the crowd that morning when Joshua uh, stood up and spoke? His words must have pierced hearts. It must have been like, even though you're in a crowd of hundreds, if not thousands, he was speaking to you. And in the same way he's speaking to us, we must share with God and with others those areas of our life that we struggle to give completely to him. Because the risk is, if we don't, that that pang of pain, of guilt, of a desire to let go, of hurt, won't ever go beyond that, that state, will it? If we don't share, either with a mature Christian we trust, or at least with God in prayer. And so if you don't already have a person or a small group of people who you um, are, are accountable to, can I commend it to you this morning? Find somebody you trust who is a person of faith and mature in their faith. Approach them. If you don't know where to start, approach the staff team here. who will be delighted to help you to that end. Or if you're new to this church or, or you're new to faith, well, the belonging course, which is uh, referred to in the, in the back of the service sheet this morning, will be a great first step to building a relationship where that honesty about the difficulty of the Christian life can take place. Or midweek groups, starting this Wednesday, talk to Ben or Jonathan or any of the staff team. Seek out relationships where honesty can be a characteristic and a hallmark, where accountability is at the heart I'm sure that now in, in your mind you have something which uh, is, is a block for you to stop you wholeheartedly serving God. I'm sure that, that I myself am I'm churning in the background as I speak. And, but having acknowledged those areas of concern, we, we can set about reclaiming them. I'm not a model example of this, but back, way back in, in November I was um, speaking at the 9.30 service about reclaiming parts of our lives, and I, and I, I mentioned my commute and actually, one of the things I've done since that, that, that morning is uh, I've, I've turned off the Brexit angst and whatever else of my usual Today program, Listen, and I've been listening to sermons, uh, podcasts. It's amazing. There's a wealth of material out there. Uh, John Piper's Daily Sermon podcasts, uh, other folk across in the States. Um, and it, it's incredible the impact that has of your view of the day. Instead of getting out of the car angry about the latest political developments or, or despondent or whatever else it may be, you start the day in a in a Christ-centered, Christ-focused way. You're struck by what you hear, and then it impacts the way you interact and the way you interrelate with those around you and more. I'm not perfect. I still find myself switching off for a good five minutes of my commute because I plan my day ahead, and I thought when I walk into school, I've got to do X, Y, Z. It's, it's by no means I'm, I'm, you know, am I perfect in this. But it's, it's been a helpful first step. It's been a helpful first step. I still fall down. I still check my work emails first before my quiet time. I still get distracted. But a reclaiming and a reorienting of my heart towards God first thing in the morning has had a significant impact, I think, on my capacity to serve him in all I do. I'm not perfect, but there's an example of one way in which we can choose to acknowledge an area which is imperfect and to reclaim it for God. Joshua has presented the challenge to the people who will you choose? Who will you serve? And the people respond in verses uh, 16 onwards. This is uh, my next heading if you're, if you're taking notes, which is uh, Joshua's paradox. And the people respond by saying, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve others. 
For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove us out. Sorry, and the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Imagine again being in the crowd. You've had the pang in your heart of pain as Joshua's acknowledged the area of sin for you. But now you hear this answer, and it must have been kind of high fives all around. It's perfect, isn't it? What a model response from the people. Far be it from us that we should forsake foreign gods. What would you have expected next? Maybe a well done from Joshua. Great, let's move on. Let's get on with living. Let's take the promised land. What's next? Go take the land, live long, prosper with God. But that's not what Joshua says, is it? Look at how Joshua uh, responds in, in, in verse 19. You are not able to serve the Lord. You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. You are not able to serve the Lord. Wow. Imagine being in the crowd. It would have knocked you back physically back. He's knocking back their seemingly perfect response because to Joshua's ears, it's overly confident. It's overly, we will serve the Lord. It's a claim to future perfect service, but it's an overly confident emotional commitment with no weight or evidence. The people had consistently demonstrated through the wilderness in Exodus and then in Joshua that they couldn't serve God on their own. Instead of acknowledging their failure to serve, repenting of their past sin, and pleading for God's mercy in their future journey with him, they, they, they spur out these words of commitment. And just like us, we're committed to God, and we want to serve him wholeheartedly, and we want to love him unconditionally, and we want our lives to bring glory to him, but we know, don't we, that we waver that just like the people of God, we will profess our desire to do that, but we waver. Sometimes we love other things more than we love God, whether it's things we know to be worldly or sinful or the overemphasis of good things like work or family. So how do we keep going? Why, why don't we just chuck it all in there? We can't serve the Lord. Oh, well, okay, we'll finish early. Go and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Why don't we stop? Well, in Joshua, the people don't stop, do they? In Joshua 24, the people don't give in at that point. They don't walk away. They don't go back to the gods of their ancestors or these two-bit pretend gods. They make a commitment, a fresh commitment, to worship and serve God despite their flaws. And Joshua is challenging us this morning to make a renewed commitment to, to, to worship and to serve God despite our flawed nature because he's an amazing gracious, loving God. And he's an awesome God who sent his son for us. Doesn't this passage just want to make you cry out in thankfulness for the grace of God? That despite our weakness, he is strong. 
Now, Paul explores this beautifully uh, in, in Romans 8. Um, and if you could, if you follow this in the Bible, quick, uh, quick flick quickly, say that right, uh, to, pages, uh, to page 944. Now, you've got the, the sermon podcasts to blame for this because John Piper calls Romans 8 the great eight, I've discovered, of late. He like, absolutely loves it. And so he kind of, by osmosis, start gravitating towards it. But um, page 944, and we, we don't um, necessarily have, have the time to read this in full, but looking in verse 26 to begin with, in the last stages of, of Romans 8, Paul explores for us this in, incredible intercession that goes on on our behalf, despite our weakness and our flawed nature. So in verse 26, Paul reminds us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us on our behalf. And in verse 27, Paul again uses that word intercede to describe the Holy Spirit's work for us. Isn't that an astonishing thing? God the Spirit goes to God the Father on our behalf. God the Spirit goes to God the Father on our behalf. And then in verse 31, Paul starts to move towards this glorious conclusion. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? We can't resolve the paradox of our commitment to serve and our inability to serve. But God can. Because God the Father sent God the Son to die on our behalf. Because God the Spirit goes to God the Father on our behalf, represents us to him, and is at work in our hearts, transforming us and making us to be more Christ-like. Because of all that God does, we're able to stand in confidence in the midst of our brokenness and to say, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. In your mind, take a step back to those things we thought of early this morning that, that can get in the way of our wholehearted service of God. You take a step back to where we were 10 minutes ago or so. Now, having acknowledged these barriers to our wholehearted service of God, we've got the opportunity together to, to recommit our service to him. I've been challenged to consider how I can change my own routines again to better equip me to serve, to do everything for God's glory. Not just to think about it or talk about it, but to go out and actually do it. To action it, if you like, to make a difference in the way that I live so that my life can bring more glory to him. And can I uh, urge you to do the same as the day goes on, as the week goes on, to share with someone you trust and someone who will hold you to account those areas of life that, that you know are a barrier to your wholehearted service and, and ask that person to come back to you regularly and ask you how it's going. It makes an, an incredible difference. Now, in getting ready for today, I, uh, I sent a, a WhatsApp message to a few folks uh, who I trust asking them uh, some questions. Like the first question, well, what, what gets in the way of serving God wholeheartedly? Uh, and the second question was, well, what, what, what can help? What could help you serve God more fully? Uh, the responses were varied. Uh, some identified difficult relationships with people. Um, others highlighted the busyness of life, of, uh, in this person's case, of, 
of parenting, of work, of marriage, of service at church, of maintaining relationships outside the church. Um, and others highlighted that their own, their own selfishness, their own desire to do what they wanted and not what God wanted. The second question, though, came back with a greater sense of, of clarity, uh, identifying two key themes. When asked, how can we serve God more fully? Uh, the first was, was grace, grace to keep on going in our aspiration to serve. And the second was the need to be held to account by brothers and sisters in Christ. So if we're thinking about how we're going to relate to one another, there's a challenge, isn't there, for us all to consider how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How are we going to go out and to serve others around us? For those of us who are husbands, how are we going to love our wives as Christ loved the church? For those who are parents, how are we going to love and guide and discipline our children to bring them to a point where they come to a safe understanding of Christ, if that is God's will. There's a challenge for all of us in terms of how we relate to one another. And for those of us in work, there's a challenge to us, isn't there, to be giving glory to God in what we do and not to ourselves. And to all of us as a church family, how do we live together? How do we serve one another how do we love one another? Sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it's the last thing we want to do because we want to protect our time, preserve our own little uh, sphere of interest. But how do we step out in service? And yet, as I look at, out at this, it's very humbling, trust me, when you stand here and look out at a, a scene like this. I, I, I look at so many faces that I know are already serving in loads of areas, both inside a church and beyond it. And, and maybe you're thinking something along the lines of, my problem isn't that I'm not stepping up to serve, but that I'm so busy serving and spinning plates to survive that I can't find clarity about why I'm doing it anymore. The plate spinning has become more important than the serving. I know there's points in my working week and in my life where I feel like that. The spinning plates just to get by gets in the way of, of serving God. So if you're exhausted by service, Hear again this message of Joshua 24. God commits to us in our struggles. God loves us despite our failures. God has sent his spirit to intercede and sustain us. So let's help one another. Let's remind one another as brothers and sisters in Christ this morning that we are more than conquerors because of the love of Jesus. We don't need to be complacent about our service, but we mustn't be despondent either. Joshua has challenged us by reminding us of the paradox of the heart of Christian living. But he's also encouraged us. Because it isn't us that solves the dilemma. We will serve. We can't. It's God. God solves that for us. And we must be committed afresh this morning to going out and to serving. So as we finish, let me ask you a couple of questions. Which area of your life, which God-given gift are you going to dedicate to his service this morning? What are you going to do to serve your family, your church family, your friends, colleagues more? Are you ready to stand with Joshua and the saints who've gone before us? Are you ready to show by the way that you live that you will serve the Lord? I can't think of a better way to respond to that passage than the hymn we have uh, to finish this morning. Oh Jesus, I have promised to serve you to the end. 
be now and ever near me, my master and my friend. So let's stand and sing together.